Hi, I'm Katherine Ellsworth-Kretz. I'm a social climate scientist, and I've helped raise millions of pounds for climate action and supported hundreds of volunteers to take part in making their community a more sustainable place. I want to share what I've learned and inspire others to be powerful climate change workers and catalysts. If you're also passionate about climate justice, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Joyful Climate Writing. Hello, hello. So today I wanted to talk about imposter syndrome. And I know this can show up in so many places and contexts, but I want to talk a bit about what I kind of call the PhD hangover. At least that's what it felt like for me. After I finished my PhD, I would say it took at least a year, but probably longer, before I actually felt like I belonged as an academic and knew what I was doing. Because the PhD is a process of being asked why you've done something, being told, or being drilled to explain more and more all of your choices, and usually kind of being told that, oh, well, you haven't thought about this limitation, or, oh, do you know about this body of work, which makes you feel like you're not enough over and over and over again. So if you've done that for three or four years, yeah, it's going to take some time before you go, I do belong here. I am good enough. I have value. I'm an academic. And the reason I'm covering this right now is because I've actually had it come up multiple times this week in coaching context. Whenever something happens to me multiple times in the same week, I usually take it as a sign. I really like paying attention to synchronicity. Like if two people who don't know each other tell me how amazing a book is in the same week, I am probably going to go buy that book or listen to that podcast. So... One thing to take away from this is for one of my clients, they were talking about how they're very jealous of colleagues who are confident when they make comments like, I am the expert in X, Y, or Z. That actually made them feel really small. And so... You could be defensive about this and say that that person is arrogant and that you don't want to be like them. And in some ways, again, that might be protecting you. Like that voice in your head is trying to um, say, well, you know, just because I don't feel as comfortable declaring that I am the expert in sustainable consumption, <laughs> although it's really big and broad, that, you know, they're because they wouldn't want to say that because that's arrogant. I think jealousy is actually a really valuable emotion to identify with. Um, I really take this as something where instead of, if you're jealous, instead of thinking that's like a bad thing to feel or says something bad about the other person, I, I like to turn it, that curiosity onto it. Like, oh, if I'm jealous of it, that usually tells me about something that I do want. And um, there's 
I think an implication in jealousy that someone else is preventing you from getting that thing. So maybe there's also a good point to sign it, shift your language and realize it's about envy. Because usually these people aren't in your way, like you're in, in your own way. So when you're feeling jealousy or envy, really get curious and see, like, what does that tell you about yourself? So if you actually are jealous of the confident academics, that might tell you that you want to be a confident academic deep down. You want to be able to show up and feel like you do high quality research and that your opinions, well, maybe if it's like natural science, you wouldn't want to call it an opinion. Your objective work um, is highly valued and impactful and that people want to hear what you have to say. So this, again, can apply to lots of other contexts, but I think jealousy is great. Like, I actually know that um, wanting to own my own business, that came out partly from seeing a really good friend start their own business. And I remember I got their first newsletter about how things were going. and I felt so jealous. And then I was like, oh, I want to own my own business. I want to send out a newsletter. And I'm doing those things now. And it took me a few years, but I, instead of thinking that meant anything about me and this relationship with my friend, I was like, oh, what does that tell me about what I want? So that's one thing to be aware of. So the imposter syndrome as well, just be aware if you kind of are seeing other people and telling yourself that maybe there's a jealousy or about those confident academics, and you, but you're like, oh, I don't want to be like them. But just check and see if that is true. And the other thing I've shared multiple times this week is my own imposter syndrome that I had to get over. And I think this can show up in lots of different ways for people. But for me in particular, it was about being theoretical enough. So knowing how to almost contribute to theory with a capital T. And so if anyone critiques me on those grounds, I really didn't feel like I belonged. And I spent years like trying to write more theoretical papers and get to know uh, people who were big on theoretical contributions in my field. And in some ways I had fun with that. But the reality is I love doing practical research. I really like working with businesses I really like working with small community organizations. Like, I want to even have an impact on the local level, whereas, like, theory is often about the uh, global applicability, as if, uh, anyway, we don't need to go there. But I felt really hurt when I thought I overheard colleagues talking about how I, you know, couldn't use theory. I'm not even sure if they were now, but I thought they were. And again, that tells you more about me than them, that I assumed it was this real attacker wound. And that was because I felt like an imposter. I didn't feel like I was good enough at it. And what changed was I just had to, at a certain point, decide that that was not the academic that I wanted to be. I just was happy being the academic that I was. I was going to claim that actually doing more practical applied work and focusing on public engagement and impact that that like there's room for that within the academy. 
the other uh, issue I've heard some people come up with as well in this imposter syndrome is sometimes like wanting to be in academia and continuing again to do maybe to try to keep proving that they're good enough through pursuing something that feels really hard and difficult that they don't enjoy doing because maybe achieving something that feels easy and feels good for you like that's not satisfying and this has come up multiple times with some of my clients different clients and I think that's really funny isn't it that we almost think it's like no pain no gain like if you do something that's enjoyable and easy that it's not as valuable and bringing it back for me personally if when I think about like writing like I love writing and in some ways it is easy it's easy for me to want to do it but I wouldn't say that the process itself is easy. Like, I think I could spend my entire life researching how to be a better writer. It's fascinating studying metaphor and character development and dialogue and plot, uh, not to mention all the academic conventions, <laughs> um, how to do a literature review well, um, all the different methodological choices you can make different ways to analyze your data, your coding, your analysis. How do you write up a discussion that's maybe engaging? Or how do you write up a discussion that's just very, very well defended and backed up, but doesn't become overly long? Like, those things are fascinating to study and play with. And I would say that they're challenging. But it doesn't mean that I find writing itself, like, hard or unpleasurable. So there's also a decision here. If you want to let go of being an imposter, like if you keep chasing something because you think it has to be challenging to be worthwhile, then that's again going to feed into a story of you maybe feeling like you're not good enough because you're chasing only things that you're not good at or you don't feel like you are good at <laughs> rather than just doing the things you like doing that again could still be satisfying. So focusing on that process, focusing on what you enjoy in the process can go a long way. But the real, I guess, recommendation that I came to uh, with one of my clients, at least, was to point out, again, that it's a choice. You get to choose to be an imposter and you get to choose to be an insider. And so I'd offer the metaphor of, you know, a chameleon. You might think that chameleons just like blend in with their background. So they're dependent on the context they're in. So, yeah, if their colleagues say things that maybe make them feel like they're an imposter, then they are just going to, like, right, shift their colors. They're submissive. They're dependent on what's around them. But that's not true, actually. Chameleons change colors based mostly on their emotions. And that is in a sense of, like, <laughs> if they are... Uh, wanting to mate or fight an opposing male, that excitement lights them up and they turn like brighter red or yellow colors. So actually they have a choice about the way they look and the way they blend in and that can be related to their emotions. And my metaphor here is just to say like, you get to choose. You don't have to blend in with the background. You just get to choose if you want to belong. You get to choose what type of academic you are and you get to choose that that academic 
is worthy. And so the way I would recommend doing this, or one of the ways you can do it, is make a list of 10 reasons why you're worthy to be an academic. And I'll say I've put this challenge to some multiple people, and they've thought that was a really hard task. And that's normal. Like our brains, if they get into the story of the imposter syndrome, then they're going to focus on all of the reasons, all of the negatives about why they don't belong. And I've seen lots of different numbers on this. I've seen you have to have three positives for every negative, five positives, seven positives. So that's why I would challenge you to a list of 10. Just like get your brain out of the negative spiral and start bringing it back onto all the reasons why you are worthy of being in academia. I thought I would share with you the list of 10 reasons that I came up with in case it might help for any of you who are having this feeling of being an imposter. Number one, I was talking about the PhD hangover. So you have a PhD. That means like you are worthy of being an academic, right? Number two, I love to teach. I really like that moment when you share something you're passionate about and you have hopefully an audience who wants to learn it or even better when you share something and the students teach you even more through the questions they ask or papers that they follow on and read and share with you what they find. Um, I love the shared learning environment as well. Three, you get to keep learning. I think this is one of the reasons that a lot of people want to be academics. They just love knowledge for knowledge's sake. Four, I might be a weirdo, but I love doing literature reviews. I guess these might be like the same thing, but I think they're different. I love the scoping stage where you just like find out what's been written on this topic. And I love all the little choices you have to make about what keywords you'll keep searching for. And I even love the moment when you find like the paper and you're like, oh no, someone's already did what I did. And then you actually start reading it. Like maybe that was based on the title or the abstract. And then you like read the whole thing and you're like, oh wait, no, 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 I can do this better. Or, oh no, no, I know where I can bring something different into this. Number five is wanting to work in an inclusive environment. I think universities do have like a really crazy range of people, um, often from lots of different countries, people who are just really nerdy and can get excited about their own specialties and areas of expertise. It's, it's really fun to talk to people about their kind of special interests and people who obviously study and research something to a very uh, narrow degree. And, you know, people who are probably uh, not neurotypical. It's great. It's really fun to be in that space. Number six is just valuing knowledge for knowledge's sake. If you're someone who just, again, values that, that, that could be a good reason to be an academic or, or recognize that you belong. Seven is if you feel a dedication to your colleagues and that camaraderie, um, 
I thought I would give a little shout out to the Women's Network at Lancaster University, especially like the conversations that we had. Um, I think they made me feel worthy of being academic. I wasn't worried about it at that point, but it was just really fun to kind of share with other women about the struggles they have um, to fit in and to keep doing their research and why they want to and what the impact is that they have on the world, like the dreams they have. And then also how they're maybe juggling that with being a mom or other caring responsibilities. I just, I really, really felt I enjoyed that collegiate environment. And I think that's probably part of being an academic, right? It's not all about the research. It's also about the community you're building, whether it's around a certain scholarship or around, again, just um, with other people who value making novel contributions and valuing knowledge for knowledge's sake. Number eight, I love writing. And academia is a place where you're going to do a lot of writing. If you want, if you find the time, if you make the time because you love it. <laughs> uh, number nine, I love reading. Like these are really small things, right? Or they're not. They're also huge things. Not everyone loves to read. It's fun to be around people who like to talk about books as well. But right, like you don't need these like big profound justifications to feel like you belong or to feel like you're worthy to be an academic and be in this space. And then I guess 10 is something about like novelty. Uh, if you value, cause right, your PhD is really just about making a novel contribution to academic knowledge. Um, and I'd say probably a lot of people enjoy that novelty element, but that's usually a big part of what you're looking for. Try and discover new things or gaps or like improve things. And I don't think this is that crazy of a list. It probably applies to lots of other professions, right? <laughs> and even just other communities. But I would welcome or encourage other people. If you're feeling that imposter syndrome, make the list for yourself. Make your brain focus on all the reasons why you belong instead of letting it just choose to tell you stories about all the reasons you don't belong. Choose to be <laughs> a chameleon that like, is bright and colorful or, you know, takes ownership of how it's going to look. And I think this also applies beyond academia. Of course it does. So this could be relevant to all sorts of group membership. And if you're thinking people want you to be there, if you're feeling confident and like you belong, people are going to be attracted to that, aren't they? So if you show up at, um, a party and you're thinking people want to talk to you, then people are going to get that energy and they're going to actually want to talk to you. Or you're going to take different actions because you think you're not like interrupting or annoying or needy. Like if you go to a party and think that no one wants you to be there, you're going to be very different, aren't you? And it's the same, right, with academia. If you keep thinking you don't belong, the way you're going to show up is going to reinforce that. If you show up and you just trust you belong and you tell yourself you belong and you focus on that, you're going to be much more outgoing. You're going to be much more engaged. You're going to be much happier. And this, again, could be true for like joining sports clubs or maybe at the school drop off um, or in any other profession. Like decide. You get to decide that you belong.
Thanks so much for listening to this podcast of Joyful Climate Writing. If you'd like to follow along, I have a weekly newsletter, or you can follow this podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. All of the links are in the show notes, so check it out. I'd love to see you on other channels.